Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, most of the country's MPs take part in Canada's first-ever virtual House of Commons session. The Honourable Minister of Health, Ms. Haidu, please unclick your mute. Oh, got it. Sorry. After that somewhat uneloquent beginning, thank you so much, Mr. Speaker. The opposition has questions about when the government knew the coronavirus had the potential to be serious. One of those sources of information was the Canadian military intelligence experts who warned that this uh, disease was going to be more serious than the WHO had it originally indicated. So we've asked this question several times before. It's a simple yes or no question. Did the Prime Minister see, did cabinet, anyone in cabinet, or did the Prime Minister see the Canadian military intelligence report? report uh, that was issued in January. And Conservative MP Michelle Rempel-Garner has been working remotely from Oklahoma since traveling there to be with family. I don't doubt that she's working the phones and and, uh, and doing what she can to uh, represent her constituents, but uh, I think it sends a totally wrong message. It's Wednesday, April 29th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us. Glad to help, Mark. Members of Parliament uh, did what a lot of Canadians have been doing regularly over the last few weeks during this coronavirus lockdown. They had a virtual meeting uh, on their computers. We got to see the backgrounds, uh, some of them in offices, some of them in their homes, some of them in other settings. Um, but uh, the, it was like the the experience that a lot of uh, people are, are having through work right now. And what did you think of it? Uh, it was a, certainly had a different feeling and tone than than if they were gathered in the House of Commons. You know, it's, it's a strange thing that, um, you know, in some ways, uh, doing virtual parliamentary sittings uh, does get rid of some of the really annoying and tiresome things uh, about the hyper-competitive and partisan atmosphere uh, that seems to exist when MPs can actually see each other, you know? So the name-calling, the yelling, the banging on the desks... Uh, all this harassment, you know, you can't do it because not everybody can speak at the same time on these on these video programs. I mean, I hope there's a lesson in that, that at the end of it, uh, the MPs themselves will see that that is not something that appeals to Canadians. We, You know, most of us are adults. We don't scream insults across the way at our neighbors or friends or people we disagree with. And, um, you know, so there there could be some good out of this. I don't know. Maybe like everybody else, I'm just trying to see some sort of silver silver lining from this whole dark cloud that's over us. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Uh, you wonder if uh, somewhere there's somebody developing the technology that will allow MPs uh, or other people in other settings to be... Uh, just to to heckle each other uh, or to uh, to take shots at each other, even on a Zoom meeting or something like that. But you can't do it right now, so that that's the uh, the silver lining in this for sure. Uh, there is going to be uh, another sitting in person of uh, some members of Parliament today, so we'll see how that goes. But by and large, through this whole process, uh, I think everybody's been respectful of each other, more respectful than normal. Nevertheless, the opposition is still asking questions about the government's uh, rollout of, of benefits to Canadians and even about when the government knew that the coronavirus had the potential to be serious. So there are still questions being asked about how the government has handled this and even how public health officials have handled it. Yeah, and it's perfectly appropriate and necessary for the opposition to raise those types of questions. 
those are questions that go to the government's response and its performance, uh, you know, as the central structure in the country. So uh, that, that's fine. They should be doing that. I mean, they have lots of ways to do it, too. I mean, they, you know, there's nothing stopping them from doing interviews over whatever medium. The, the phone still works as best as I know, and the, they can issue news releases. They can make videos. There's lots of opportunities in the media, uh, the various forms of media, to get their message out. Um, and we, you know, never for a moment should underestimate the importance of an effective opposition. Uh, that said, uh, this new uh, spirit of let's get together and work on this thing for the good of all Canada, man, I could get used to that, Mark. I mean, you know, like if you're not on Parliament Hill, you know, enjoying the sort of uh, adrenaline, you know, experience or the arousal of people screaming at each other, um, and you're standing, out, you know, 50 feet away, you go, why are they doing that? That's wrong. That's not how it should work. And I think, you know, if, if these parties are really willing to get together to work for the common good, that's actually what they get elected for. Great points. All right, let's talk about uh, the the different approach that provinces are taking right now to restarting their economies, relaxing restrictions, letting some people go back to work, even to school in some cases. What's your sense of how this is playing out and, and what some of the potential lessons might be from this as some of these steps are taken? Well, I think every all eyes are going to be on Quebec, frankly. I mean, Quebec is one of the highest... Uh, rates of infection it has uh, more deaths than almost any other place um, I think they've kind of come to the conclusion that the largest part of their problem is in long-term care facilities in which case those things you know you can concentrate a lot of resources on those and try to stifle uh, the spread from there uh, but you know uh, putting all the kids back in school uh, even on a phased approach the way Quebec is proposing it's risky. Uh, their own chief medical officer said it is a big risk. And uh, so we're going to have to see. I mean, uh, Bombardier is going to start building airplanes again and things like that. And uh, we're going to have industrial manufacturing resuming and, and construction. Um, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. And it, it could turn out to be a spectacular risk with spectacular uh, failures. But if uh, Quebec is successful, at limiting the spread, uh, the spread which is inevitable, there will be more spread. But uh, if they're successful at limiting that, that could point the way for other provinces. All right, let's turn to Michelle Rempel-Garner, who is a Conservative Member of Parliament from Alberta, of course, and it was revealed yesterday that she has been in Oklahoma the past few weeks. She says she went down there uh, for a family matter. Her husband is from the United States, uh, and... Uh, this happened before travel restrictions went into place, and, and she effectively remained there uh, and has been working from there uh, since uh, all of the restrictions were put in place. Uh, there there has been some reaction to this, naturally. Uh, people are uh, asking questions about it. She says she's still doing her job, and she's uh, just as able to do that as if she was in her house in Alberta, uh, not visiting people in person, which is what she would be doing under those circumstances. Do you think this matters? Well, I do, uh, because uh, it's all very well to go someplace else at a time of emergency and shelter there, uh, when the whole other 30-some-odd million of us are all in it together in Canada. And, uh, you know, uh, like uh, Michelle Rempel-Gardner is, is, Gardner is a very effective politician and an effective member of Parliament, and I don't doubt that she's working the phones and, and uh 
and doing what she can to uh, represent her constituents. But uh, I think it sends a totally wrong message that when the chips are down, uh, she's somewhere else attending uh, to family matters, and virtually everybody else in the country is, is braving it here. Uh, you know, there's a solidarity issue there, if nothing else, and a question of, uh, oh, well, are some people treated differently or some people expect to be treated differently than others? So, uh, you know, I, I don't think she, you know, is in any danger of being defeated in her Calgary riding next election. Uh, she's a popular MP and, like I said, an effective spokesperson, a former minister. Uh, but at the same time, this is not a good example and it's not a good look for her or any other MP. And, and why is this only coming out now, a month or more after all this took place? Again, it, it's a lack of... Uh, res- and, and I think it reflects the leadership vacuum to, uh, that's at the head of the Conservative Party now. I think a leader might have turned around and said... Uh, you know, this is not a good idea. Uh, if you have to go, go, but you've got to get back somehow. And uh, and that's that's what's going on. Uh, uh, there's no one telling her that right now, it seems. All right. Finally, Dan, uh, you're in Nova Scotia, of course, and not far from where some of that horrible violence took place uh, uh, over a week ago. Uh, and uh, there have been updates from the RCMP and others about what happened. Uh, their investigation continues. Give us the latest on that and how people in Nova Scotia are coping with the aftermath under these really unusual circumstances layered on top of the coronavirus crisis. Yeah, I mean, this is psychologically, uh, I can't recall in my lifetime, a more uh, difficult time to live here, uh, partly because of that. I mean, and and the people do want answers about this. The RCMP gave another briefing yesterday. Uh, in which more information was revealed on the killer's movements on the night of of all these uh, crimes. Uh, There's many gaps. I mean, he disappeared for hours and hours at night while the Mounties thought they had him cornered in in Portapique, where all this started. And, in fact, he was 15 or so clicks east of there in the community of DeBert, hiding out for the night. So this is new information. Um, you know, there's also questions being raised about where he got the firearms that he used. They looks like they came from the United States. So uh, another question that's there for border services, which is also now part of this investigation, according to the RCMP. And, you know, there's a lot more that has to be answered. I mean, uh, the RCMP itself is under fire in among many parts of the community here. You won't hear the premier saying that or, or people in official positions, but at the community level, people do want answers from the RCMP because a lot of people feel that they bungled the, the chase and more people died as a result. And, you know, uh, I noticed they've brought in different people to speak for the force at these news uh, availabilities. And, you know, from your own experience, Mark, that generally tells you that the original communicators weren't doing a great job. So uh, there's there's a long way to go on this. Uh, people do want answers. And uh, I think it's going to be a while before people feel anything close to normal or secure, even in their own homes. Yeah. All right. Good to have your perspective on that, Dan, and on all the other topics today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for the call, Mark. That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald. I just want to remind the honorable members before I start, I do have the ability to mute individual members. I don't want to go there, so I'll just uh, leave it at that. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. 
In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt argues Canada's MPs are a lot more civil when they meet online. Delacourt writes, It turns out that the biggest difference between a virtual parliament and the real one is that MPs aren't constantly being told to shut up. It was a pleasant change from the usual noisy spectacle of question period in the Commons, with an accompanying upward rise in tone and substance as well. Opposition MPs were genuinely looking for answers about pandemic relief and recovery, and government ministers, for the most part, were trying to oblige. In the National Post, John Iveson argues lavish handouts risk turning workers into welfare slackers. Iveson writes, There is no requirement for CERB recipients to be able and available to work or to seek employment, as there is under employment insurance. More far-sighted workers will go back to their jobs if they have the chance, but there is no obligation to do so, and there should be. Even if it's not yet clear to the Prime Minister, pressures are growing on the Liberal government to take action to ensure its generous safety net for workers does not become a summer hammock. In the Montreal Gazette, Dr. Adam Hoffman argues starting to reopen businesses is good for public health. Hoffman writes... As a physician, I'm concerned that the health effects of the economic shutdown will extend well past the time when we will remember the coronavirus happened. I'm worried we have traded a short-term epidemic for a long-term one, with potentially greater consequences. Instead of using a hammer to flatten the curve, we can use what we know now to refine that strategy by redirecting quarantine measures and support toward those people who are the most vulnerable, while also supporting economic stability. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. After its first-ever virtual sitting, the House of Commons will hold a more traditional in-person sitting today. MPs are expected to debate legislation for the government's latest piece of emergency economic aid. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, the House will start sitting in the special COVID-19 committee at noon today. They'll have more than two hours of question-and-answer session to grill ministers on the government's COVID-19 response. Then at 2.30 Eastern time, the House starts debate on the government's legislation to bring in $9 billion worth of of aid for students, announced last week. That aid includes a whole suite of measures, but the two main ones are the Canada Emergency Student Benefit and the Canada Student Service Grant. The student benefit is aimed at students who cannot find employment because of the downturn in the economy caused by COVID-19. It announced to up to $1,250 a month from May until August, or even $1,750 a month if the student has dependents or disability. The student service grant is between $1,000 and $5,000, and it goes to students who are already volunteering in a job fighting COVID-19, and it would go towards students' fall tuition. The government's hoping to pass the bill in one sitting today, with the help of the opposition parties. But the Conservative leader, Andrew Scheer, and his party have reservations with the emergency benefit, because they say it actually constitutes a disincentive for students to look for employment, just by offering money without any connection to employment unlike the student service grant, which the Conservatives approve of. As for the other opposition parties, one of their sticking points is to try to get student aid connected to international students stranded here in Canada and facing a jobless market. Anyway, Mark, it'll be interesting to watch the two and a half or more hours of debate in the House today as the government tries to get its legislation passed. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister is expected to hold his daily news conference on the coronavirus crisis, and Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a press conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, April 29th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today, 
for coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.